Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Tonight, uh, before we get started, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We glorify you, Father God, for helping us to understand your word, Father God, that we would grow in the knowledge of your word, Father God, that, Lord God, that it would help us to grow in our faith and keep on going and going and going. Lord God, that you would show us and direct us in the way that we should go to cross over into your promises and to what you have for our lives and to each and every one of us that's here tonight, Lord God, you would bless us and help us to be who we need to be in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to look at Three, three people in the Bible tonight. And the title of the message is, Who's Calling Who? Amen? So you have to think about that. What do you mean by who's calling who? So I'm going to start off with the, the first passage that I'm going to read out of is in Exodus chapter 3 and starting in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush was on fire, it was not burned up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off the sandals from your, for, from, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And he said to I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Amen. Amen. But we want to look at here, God is calling Moses out. God is getting his attention. A lot of times, you know, uh, we we were here for the conference and and God spoke over our lives. We heard something that was preached over our lives or somebody prophesied over you. Somebody spoke with you. You fellowship with somebody. But God got a hold of your life. God got your attention. And this is what God had to do with Moses. He had to get his attention. He had to get, get, he he got his attention by a flame of fire. But he noticed that there was something different about this flame of fire. It was on a bush, and the bush was not being devoured. It wasn't being burnt up. And he got closer and closer and closer. And that's what God wants to do with our lives, is when he's speaking to us, when he's, and when we're hearing from him, he's wanting us to get closer to him. And when we do so, when we get closer to the God that we serve, when we get to understand who he is, when we get in his presence, he says, we are standing on holy ground. I don't know about you, church, but God is wanting us to be 
on holy ground. God has wanted us to be in his presence. God has wanted us to hear from him so that we can know and understand what he wants to do in our lives. He has a calling on each and every one of us. We don't know, maybe we don't know what that calling is. Maybe you heard something over the conference that told you what you needed to do or what purpose he has for your life. And you have to go with it. You have to run with it. You can't just hide it and you just put it away and put it aside on a shelf somewhere. Like Pastor said, that seed fell on your life, but what are you going to do with it? And sometimes, he, as he says, you know, sometimes we're not ready for it. Sometimes we have to cultivate the ground. Sometimes we have to fertilize the ground. Sometimes it needs to be a little bit more watered. But what are we doing with what God has put in our lives? See, Moses here, we look at Moses' life. And here, he was 40 years old when he left Egypt. And here we look at the fact that his parents, when, when they had him, he was born in Egypt and he was uh, three months old and they hid him for three months because of the fact that Pharaoh wanted every young boy less than two years or old to be put to death. Even when they were born, he wanted them to be put to death. But here they hid this child. And then she finally couldn't hide him no more and she placed him in a basket and placed him on the Nile River and his sister followed him to see what would happen to him. And guess what? Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh's daughter pulls him out of that river, takes him in as her own son. And she knew that from that moment that she took him in, she knew that it was a Hebrew boy. She knew where, where he came from. She knew that there was something different about it, but she still accepted him as her own son. God accepts us into the kingdom as his sons and daughters. And here the world can reject us, the world can hate us, the world can despise us. But here God taken us and lifted us up and brought us back into the kingdom of God. He says that you are the children of God. You are the children of Israel. You are his promised children. And a lot of times we, well, what are you talking about? He said you were grafted into the tree. You were grafted in. You didn't have a right to be grafted in, but you were grafted in. You have a right to be called a child of God. You have a right to be called the promise of the children of Israel. That's the right you have. That's the promise you have. That's what you need to take over into going into the crossover into the promised land that it's yours. It's yours because God said, I've given it to you. But here Moses, here at the age of 40, he got, wanted to go out and see how his people were treated. And he saw an Egyptian beating down on one of the Hebrew men. And, and, and he, he, he thought, nobody's looking, nobody can see me. And he puts the Egyptian to death. And he hides the body. And here the next day he goes back out again. And here he sees two Hebrew men fighting arguing and, and probably throwing fists and, and having a fight. He said, what are you doing? You should be uh, getting along with one another. This is the kingdom of God. You should be getting along with one another. But here they're duking it out. And they turn around and said, who are you? Who are you to tell us what to do? Aren't you the same one that killed the Egyptian yesterday? See, they saw what he did. And not only that, but here Pharaoh found out about him, Moses killing the Egyptian. And he runs from Pharaoh and he runs to the land where we talk about today, about being in the land of Midian and his father-in-law's name, Jethro. And this is where we're at right now in this story. And here God is dealing with him. 
God is telling them, you need to go back to Egypt. And here you think about what Joel Rodender uh, preached on, on, on Friday night. He says, sometimes you have to go back to go forward. And here, that's exactly what God was doing with Moses. He says, now you got to go back to where you're at so you can go forward. He says, I called you out. I called you out to take my people out of bondage. But here, we're going to cross over. And this is exactly what God has called us to do, is to take and get the people out of bondage that's in this land, in this city, in this valley. And it's not to go out and put them down. It's not to, to tear them up. But it's to go out there and show them the love of God. This is what God has called us to do. And here, this is exactly what Moses had to do. He had to go back to deliver the people out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery. I don't care where you've been at, but guess what? A lot of times I, I think about this passage, and I think about this scripture, and I think about my life. And a lot of times we want to run from what we're, what we're doing. We want to run because somebody found us out. We want to run and hide and go somewhere else, go to a different city, go to a different state. And here, you know, we make a mistake. We make a mistake. The mistake that we've made is we took ourselves with us. Because, see, we were trying to run from what we were doing. But the problem is we took ourselves with us, and that's the problem, is us, ourselves. And God is trying to get us to realize in order to cross over, you have to let go of all that garbage, all that old life, all that crud and, and, and bitterness and hatred and anything else that's coming into your life to be flushed out. It has to be flushed out in order to continue to go forward. Amen? God is wanting to do something in our lives. And we've heard from him. And, and we're going to keep hearing from him. And that's why I talk about faith. Because God wants you to have more faith. In order to go and cross over, you have to have faith. You can't just go on your own. He says it's impossible to please God unless you have faith. It is impossible. You can't please him. Because he wants you to take a step that you've never taken before. And every time he says you take a step, every time you cross and take a step, he says you're claiming it for the Lord. It's God's. It's his. He's already given it to you. But he says now you take it. It's yours. Go with it. Go with it. Amen. But, you know, if you really want to know more about Moses, you have to do the reading yourself. That's why I, I, I could have wrote down a bunch of more scriptures like I normally do. But tonight, I, I did it a little differently. Because you know something? You're not going to get any faith unless you read it. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. I'm so, you want faith? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. It's right here. It's from the first page to the last page from Genesis to, to Revelations it's all about faith it's all about man of God it's all about what God wants to do in our lives and here as we continue on tonight I'm going to look at another man in the New Testament now and we're going to go into the book of Acts and um uh, chapter 9 and I'm going to start in verse 1 
And he says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and he asked them for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, and this is what they were called, the, the way at that time, those that were believing in Christ Jesus, those that were confessing him and preaching Jesus, if they were found in the, of the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as, as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Verse 5, he says, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. The man traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see in nothing. So they led him by the hand to into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Amen. Here we look at Saul. This man, he's persecuting the church. He's, he's taking and, and, and getting letters so he can imprison the, the man and women of God that believed in Christ Jesus. He's turning around and, and he's doing whatever he can to harm you. To hurt you. This is the enemy that's out there that's trying to harm you and hurt you. But yet God is moving in his life. And here, here he's a man that, that was taught the word of God from his youth. He's a man that was brought up by Gamaliel and, and understood the law of the land. He understood the, the, the Israel's law and, and the people's law. And he, he and if, if you really got down to it, he was a religious man. He was a Pharisee. But see, the thing is, is that the problem is that we can become religious. Yeah, we know the Word of God. We know the Word of God, but we don't know the Word of God. Are you hearing me? You know the Word of God, but you don't know the Word. And the reason why you don't know the Word is because you don't practice what it's telling you to do. God is saying, in order to have faith, you got to put it to work. You have to put it to use. you got to have action upon it. And if you know the Word of God and you're not doing anything with it, then you're not growing in faith. You're not going to see what God wants you to see. You're not going to hear what God wants you to hear. And here's Saul. Here's persecuting the church. He's persecuting the brothers and sisters that we know. And here, here God stops him on his tracks. God stops him where he's at. God, and he's hearing God. He's hearing from the Lord. And God says, why are you persecuting me? Why? Why are you here? Because he was a religious person. He thought that by doing what he was doing, by putting Christians to death or, or seeing them put in prison, that he was doing God a favor because he didn't know the word. He knew what it said, but he didn't know it. See, a lot of times we think, well, I know the word. I got it. I got it. I got it. No, you don't. I, I've been saved for 40 years and I still learn every day. Every day there's a learning process in our lives. And you say, well, I know it all. No, you don't know nothing. You don't. You ask anybody that's been preaching for 40, 50 years in the kingdom of God and they're going to tell you, no, I'm still learning. And if they can't tell you that, then they forgot that they don't know everything. 
See, even pastor knows. Pastor knows. You know, when we study the Word of God, when we put a message together, God's speaking to me. And if I'm not being taught anything by reading the Word of God, then I'm messing up. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm preaching about. But when the Word of God, when God gets a hold of you, when the Holy Spirit comes down upon you and shows you and teaches you and tells you what you need to say or do, then you know that God is in control. It's not me. Hear the words behind the words. Hear the voice behind the voice. Know that it's God. Knowing that it's the Word of God. And if you have the Word of God inside of you, you're going to know what God is telling you. But if you don't know the Word of God, then you're not going to know what He's telling you. You're not going to grow in faith. Hear this man persecuting the church. God gets a hold of him. Well, I'm talking about a man's life that was changed, a man's life that was transformed, a man's life that was here persecuting the church. And now he says that soon as after he got saved, he was preaching Jesus. Preaching Jesus. That is, that is a changed man. That is a changed life. That is a man that got touched by God. When you got saved, did you not get touched? Did you not get healed? Did you not get delivered? Did you not get set free? Because that's what it's about. It's about being set free. Here he was religious, and now he's not religious no longer. You know what? I mentioned over and over about here how my mom says, oh, no. You know, you change religion. I says, no, I told my mom I didn't change religion. I got a relationship. See, that's what God, see, Saul only had a religion. He didn't have a relationship. He had a religion. See, that's what they, they, they that's what we get taught. You know, if you grew up in a religious family, that's what you get taught. You get taught how to be religious. You don't get taught how to have a relationship. God is wanting you to have a relationship. Moses had to go to that bush in order to find out that he was in the presence of the Lord, in order to find out now he's going to have a relationship with God. Now he's going to do what God has called him to do. Now he's going to do not what he wants to do. And he tried to tell God, you know, find somebody else. I can't do it. I, I stutter. I have a bad problem with speech. But, you know, that God says, no, I've called you. I've called you. A lot of times, you know, we're trying to tell God, oh, no, find somebody else. No, he says, I called you. I've called you out. I called you out. I called you out. I called each and every one of you out to do something for the kingdom of God. But what are you doing with it? Where did that seed land? Where did it fall in your life? The last one I want to look at tonight is David. In uh, 2 Samuel, chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 12. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom, and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were 
who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps. They sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. And David, wearing linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. While he was in the, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from the window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Verse 17. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in a place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had, after he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of resins to each person and the whole crowd of Israelites, both men and women, and all the people that went, and all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, "How the king of Israel!" has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. Verse 21, David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father over anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord, and I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to that day until her death. Amen. But the reason that God here. You look at a title, it says, who's calling who? Here, King David is, is raising and shouting and praising God and calling out to God because of what he's done in his life. You know, we read about the fact that he, here he's replaced King Saul because of his disobedience and because he, he did not follow the directions that the prophet told him to do. But here, here King David is only gratitude unto the Lord was because of his salvation, because of God's grace, because of God's mercy. Here, uh, just like any of us, we mess up. David messed up. But yet, God got a hold of him. God had to call him out at a time in his life when he messed up. He sends a prophet to him and tells him a story about himself and how he took the life of... Uh, I can't even think of his name now. Uriah. All right? Because he, he slept with his wife. So he sends Uriah out to the battlefield. He sends him with his own death letter. All right? Because he, he, he wants him to be dead so he, he won't be found out. 
All right? So he, he tried to cover up his sin, but he couldn't hide it from God. A lot of times we, we try to hide what we do from God, but God already knows our life. God already knows what we've done. God already seen everything that we've done. God knows every hair on your head. He knows what's irritating you. He knows what you're going through. He knows what troubles you're in. He knows where you're at. He knows what you're running from. And here David gets called out. David, here he's coming into the city with the ark of God because he's wanting the presence of the Lord in the city. He's wanting to have the Lord there in the city. He's wanting to have God there and have fellowship with God. He's wanting to be thankful and grateful for what he's done in his life. He's wanting to be thankful and grateful for the fact that he's had the strength and the courage that God has given him. It wasn't his own strength and it wasn't him himself that came against Goliath. But it was the power of God that was upon his life. The power of God that changed him. The power of God that called him out and, and placed him where he's at today. But a lot of times we think, oh, I got there on my own. I got there on my own two feet. No, I'm sorry. But if, if you think that you, you, you accomplished something on your own strength and your own abilities, you're forgetting that God's the one that's doing it for you. Here, each one of these men were touched by God. Each one of them was moved by God. Each one of them had a relationship with God. Each one of them did what God called them to do. Each one of them went forward and not back. Each one of them went over and crossed over. Here, Moses was at the promised land. Moses got to see the promised land, but he wasn't able to go in. But you know something? One thing about Moses is that Every step of the way, he had to listen to the murmuring and complaining of the people. And, and through all that, he kept going to God. He kept calling out to God. He kept calling God, God, to have, have favor on them. Have mercy upon them. Don't Here, God wanted to, to take them out. To take his own people out because he gets tired of them messing up. He got tired of them not trusting them. He got tired of them not having faith in him. They got tired of them always bickering and complaining. Here they come to the Red Sea and they call out to Moses. And, 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 and here, here Mo, Moses is calling out to God. He says, here the people are calling to Moses. Why do you bring us here to die? Because there was no graves in Egypt, he said. And here Moses starts to call out to God, and, and, and here God's saying, what are you calling out to me for right now? What do you got in your hand? Take that staff and, 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 and aim it toward the waters of the Red Sea. And when he did that, they, there's something that started to happen, something that started to take place. There, 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 there had to be a tremendous amount of noise. There had to be a tremendous amount of excitement going on because the, the, the sea was parting. From to, to the right and to the left. Throughout the night. Throughout the night. And the angel of the Lord that was in front of him, the God put him behind him to, as a blockade of fire on one side and darkness on the other side to keep the Egyptians from getting to, to God's people, the Israelites. This is how God is. This is how awesome God is. God is always protecting us. God is always watching out for us. 
But here, even with all that being said and done, they still were complaining. And here, throughout the night, and if you heard, even through the conference, and it says, then it was a new day. When they got up in the morning, that new day, here, the, the Red Sea was parted. There was a wall to the right and a wall to the left, and they crossed on dry ground. And then Moses says to the people, the, the Egyptians that you see today, well, you will see no more. And they all crossed across the, the, the Red Sea on dry ground. They get to the other side, and they're looking, and they're, they're uh, still murmuring, complaining, because the, the, the Egyptians are, are after them, with all their chariots, all their horses, all the warriors, and, and the king himself, Pharaoh. And they're still complaining and they're still murmuring. And God tells Moses, okay, reach out your hand again. And he does so. And the waters come crushing down on all the Egyptians. And not one of them survived. Not one chariot, not one horse, not one soldier, not even Pharaoh himself. God took care of those people. God is going to take care of us when we cross over. God's going to watch over us when we cross over. God's going to protect us when we go over. God is going to be showing us which direction that we need to go in. But you have to listen to what he has to say. Faith. Faith is what he wants you to have. Faith is what we need to have. But my pastor was saying, what are you going to do? He said it even tonight. Pray. Pray. See, the people murmured and complained, but they weren't praying. Moses had to pray for them because he knew that he had a connection with God. He knew that he had a relationship with God. He knew that he can talk to God. What are we doing? Moses, here... He had to take off his sandals because he was in the presence of the Lord. A lot of times we don't want to get close to God. We don't want to get to where God is at because we're afraid we might have to hear what we don't want to hear. Amen? That's what happens. Is we don't want to hear what God wants to do in our lives, where our lives were spoken out over throughout the conference. And, and, and the thing is, is that where are we at? Where are we at today? And if you know that God has called you out and put something in your heart and put something in your life and you know that you need to be where he wants you to be at, what are you doing with it? Are you calling on God? Are you letting him do something in your life? Are you just, well, I'll just put it on the shelf somewhere. That's all right, God. I don't need that. I'm fine. I got it together. I, I don't need you. And that's what happens is when we know that God has called us and we're, we're trying to run. We're trying to, we're trying to hide. And Moses, that's what he did. He, he ran. He ran from Pharaoh. He ran from the presence of, uh, of the enemy because he didn't want to be taken out. He didn't want anybody to know what he had did. But he got found out. God knows where we're at. God knows what we're doing. You can't hide. You can't run.